Maddie Spearwork. You're listening to Death Dialogue. Welcome to Maddie. That's right. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome to Death Dialogue. My name is Dave, joined as always by Mr. Too Smooth, West VA, and Mr. Local himself, Quiet Silent K. This week we are joined by one of the owners of a local watering hole down here in Charleston. They have arguably the best tasting beer in the Lone Country with one of the nicest outdoor setups to match it. Please welcome Mr. Fatty's Beer Works himself, David. Welcome to the show, man. Gentlemen, pleasure to be here. How's everybody today? We are good. Awesome, man. Thanks for being here. Very good. Uh, definitely been looking be forward to this, to this episode. Yeah. All right. Can't wait. Um, so what, just to start off, what is unique about Fatty's, your brewery? How did the idea come about? Is it your first brewery? Tell me some background on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so we can just kind of tie everything in right here. I mean, um, basically, I grew up in a little town called Aiken. It's about two hours northwest of Charleston. Um, spent 18 years there, graduated high school there from Aiken High, then went off to Clemson, uh, joined a fraternity there, was there for four years, and then followed basically my wife that I met there down to Charleston. Afterwards, she came to MESC uh, 2003, and that was right after I graduated um, from Clemson and then uh, basically moved downtown Charleston. And uh, we, we've been in Charleston ever since. And um, I, I was working then back then for a, uh, a welding company. And this kind of uh, goes back, I'll bring this all full circle in some, some respect, but um, uh, basically the, I was in big sky out in Montana for, like 0102 and 2000, he really got my first taste of, of of what real good beer tastes like, and that was going back to you know Big Sky Brewing in Missoula. They made this beer called Moostrol, and I just freaking loved. And then they also had a, an oatmeal stout called Slow Out that I still love, uh, one of their limited releases. But it was just beer that I hadn't tasted uh, before. You know, I was at Clemson, and everybody was drinking macro beer. It was Bush Light. It, it was beast light. It was stuff that was just water, but it would pacify uh, the buzz you're looking to get. So, um, yeah, that's where it all started. And then I got, you know, kind of a, used just introduced to this new stuff, this stuff that they called craft beer. And then it all kind of hit when I saw the fat tire uh, bike bicycle on that, on that new Belgian product. And uh, it just really kind of sparked a love for, for beer from there. And that was, like I said, right around 0102 and moving down to Charleston, I really didn't know that that was basically what I, I wanted to do. Or, and I, I knew I love to drink beer and I love craft beer. I love this new stuff that was happening. And um, it just kind of took a couple of years before basically I moved, like I settled down. We moved to, uh, to West Ashley and uh, I needed something to do to get out of the house. And um, a buddy of mine, his name was Steve Hirsch, was doing, was brewing, was homebrew. And um, he was very trained in, uh, in homebrewing. And he was introducing my world to all these flavors and smells and, and things that I had never experienced in beer before. It really just kind of sparked a love in beer for me. And I, that was back in about, you know, 2006, 2007. And then through my, uh, my old job, they were had they had a deal where I was I was out selling welding equipment um, all across the Carolinas, 
and they had a deal where they would sponsor a uh, an MBA program. And uh, that was at the time I didn't know anything really about business or, or, or anything about running a company. And I ended up doing that uh, for the University of South Carolina. And that we did kind of a final project. And uh, it just really, it was basically just running a company uh, from the start to the finish and uh, giving it, you know, a couple of quarters to, to last and, and marketing it and selling it and operating it and everything that you need to do to run a company. It, it gave me a little bit of confidence, not much, but a little bit of, to say that I could potentially run a company one day. And then um, as I started to, you know, kind of network and get, and get more friends in the Charleston area, I, uh, a couple of my friends from Clemson started being real successful uh, in their own entrepreneurship here in Charleston. One owns Boomtown, his name's uh, Guru Allen. And, uh, and his, his brother Robertson Allen names the Casino Group, and they were very well entrenched in the Charleston uh, business scene. And I kind of latched on to them for inspiration and some mentorship about how to kind of craft and, and, and figure out my own thing. And that was when about 2011 came up with uh, me and Steve had been brewing a lot, and Steve you know, had this beer, this this all day sessional IPA first shot, which was our first beer, and it was the the most perfect light beer with the, the least amount of bitterness that you still just love and i uh, just just enough to tingle in your mouth to let you know you've got a really good beer there and it had been perfected and it was you know back then we were focusing more on session beers and it was just to the tee the, the best kind of beer that i had ever had that i could drink more and more over and over again um for something that we had been produced we had made ourselves and about that time, um, I got there was this local uh, South Carolina organization called SCORE, um, where they do a really good job pairing up. Uh, they take retired executives and pair them with young entrepreneurs and um, to kind of mentor them in the whole thing. And the guy I got paired with uh, actually was one of the founders of Woodchuck Cider out of Vermont and um, basically gave me a great, a great proving ground and um, a, a teaching and a, and a learning on how I needed to, to approach this whole thing. You know, I, I, back then it was, you know, very dreamy and sexy to do this, but I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And um, he, he said, you know, after many meetings and, and many hours, he's like, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You need to go out and find a contract brewery to, uh, to, to get your product out there before you have to spend these, all this capital to basically get a brick and mortar started. So that was still, I was had my own, you know, full-time job where some days I miss those days, but I don't, but um, I, I basically drove the Carolinas and, and Virginia looking for uh, breweries that had extra capacity that could, I could go out and outsource my recipe to, to kind of get it out there to see if it would sell, to see how people would you know, receive it. And um, ended up going to Thomas Creek in, in Greenville. And they were basically at the capacity at the time, but they said, I've heard of this new guy up in DC, his name's Tim Siler. He's opening a contract facility called Beltway and uh, made a trip up there with my, uh, with my old job and, and struck a deal with him. And then the, basically the next hardest thing that I had to do was go in and find a, uh, a distributor, somebody to take the product. Cause now we got, well, actually I guess the next thing was go out and get, develop a brand, but to get the product to market, uh, we had to have a distributor. And I remember meeting with Henry Gabriel from Advantage and sitting out, on picnic tables out in front of his office and basically he's he says you know like you know what fatty he's like you want me to buy 
$20,000 of this beer, sight unseen, taste unseen. And I said, yep. And he said, you fly Dave Cave, who was their top craft beer salesman. He said, you fly him up there. If he says we can sell it, I'll buy the whole thing. And, um, and then, you know, we kind of, we flew up there. He tasted the beer. He loved it. And that was rest. The rest was kind of history. But uh, one of the things we really prided ourselves on was, the, the branding and the marketing was very important in our whole, whole, you know, kind of our strategy behind the whole business up front. Because when you go to grocery stores and, and, and different model shops back then, there was a very stale and, and uh, unfresh, I guess, branding aspect to everything. And I saw an opportunity to really kind of stand out on the shelf. Um, if we really dove into that aspect first, and then if we had a quality product to really kind of back it up, it would be something very powerful. And, uh, Went to Jay Fletcher, who is a local designer in Charleston. He's done stuff for like Saturday Night Live now and Apple and Pepsi. And he basically built the whole Fatty's brand from the ground up after uh, Greer and Robertson and I met with him and uh, conceived kind of our idea for the brand. And um, just going to market with something that that looks great and having something to back it up is just, it's just where I feel like we set ourselves apart. And that, to kind of make our product even more unique was, um, you know, it was finally like the taste and the innovation behind everything. I mean, you, you know, how competitive the business is now and how many different products are being introduced. And, uh, I was in between, uh, brewers and, um, I came across this guy from up in New upstate New York. He had brewed at Hudson Valley and at Bacchus and he was doing sour IPAs. And that was, uh, at the time, you know, there was nobody in Charleston or the, the South really doing sour IPAs. And, uh, it just kind of opened my mind to a whole other aspect. I spent a couple of days with him, brought him down here. And, and uh, now I feel like with his, uh, with his brewing skills and uh, his new recipes and, and the brand direction that we've kind of taken, um, you know, we're, 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 we have a brick and mortar right in the middle of Charleston. The whole city is moving up to where we are. So I think we're strategically positioned at a very place to capitalize on this, this new growth in the area as well as cement ourselves as, you know, we were the second brewery uh, in the so-called Charleston Brewery District to open our doors. And it just kind of just ties us all into everything. I mean, my kids were born here. We've been here forever. My wife's been at MUSC and uh, at Charleston's home. And uh, it's just nice to see what we've been doing is kind of starting to actually work now because, I mean, 2017 when we were just opening our doors it's you know it's it's a grind man from day one you get into it think you know what you're doing but you have no freaking clue what you're doing and uh, it's just failing and failing over and over again and having to figure it out to make you stronger and more successful and more passionate about making uh, your company you know one of the leading ones when it comes out on the back end so uh, yeah. I don't have a long way to answer that question but <laughs> Yeah. At what point did you say, all right, I can quit my job? So that happened. Basically, I sold welding equipment for Mars. So 2015, we contracted brewing. We did contract brewing. I was still working, selling software. 2016, we still did it. And then uh, I signed a lease where we are now and, and basically in August 2016. And two months into it, after we had to do a complete build out of the old uh, because we moved into an old ice factory. The place we're in now, basically they made uh, giant blocks of ice that they sold to people to make ice sculptures at weddings and things like that. Um, it, I had to completely renovate that whole building and 
I found myself trying to do both jobs. And about two months after signing the lease and starting the build out, I, 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 I sent my boss a picture of, of my bar and I was trying to peddle the products that I was actually selling into my bar at a discount. And he was like, you're fired. So I was like, stop time. <laughs> it gave me a, a good excuse to go ahead and find my way out. But um, that's the thing is so, so, so tough. It's like, you don't ever want to leave that financial security, but you can't do them both. And no. you can't do them both well, for sure. And the craziest thing is, you know, I used to make a very comfortable income and now I make relatively nothing, but the, you can, you can figure out how to live with what, what your means are. And it's amazing how much money I wasted back then to concede to see, you know, sit here in front of you now and, and see how lean uh, we've had to do things, but everybody's happy and everybody's getting by. And I'm extremely happy with what I do. And that you can't put a price on going to work every day with energy and passion and just the want to win every day, because it's, it's yours. It's, it's what you created and it's what you want to do. And it's what you want to you know give to your kids one day. And it's just, it's, it's just that fuel for that fire that keeps me burning to keep uh, basically getting to the point where we can start being profitable. We're, we're really close to that. And that's what, what I'm working on right now. Yeah. It's also the freedom. It's more important. Yeah. Huge, huge freedom. Yes. So the, the <laughs> beer contracting, or I can't remember exactly how you put it, but is that a common place? I've never even heard of that. Like, were they, basically making your beer for you or how what yeah. was gotcha it's called this contract and the crazy thing is now so it's called contract brewing so yeah they basically had a facility and they didn't make any they didn't make any beer for them they had 10 clients that all needed beer and so we just bought it at a per case per keg price so to say and you wouldn't believe all the the the, the naysayers because when i came into the market you know contract brewing was, was viewed as this like cheap alternative way to try to get so i was shunned by many of many people blasted on instagram blah 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 but now you see you know uh, what's the, the guy cigar city that highlight that thing is 90 percent contracted out by oscar blues i mean there's there's a handful of very regional breweries that are contracting uh, major portions of their of their production and the crazy thing is now i can't make enough lazy hazy in my facility now, I'm actually close to contracting again on the back end of this whole thing with somebody else to make more lazy hazy because we just can't physically make enough on property, nor do we have enough space. I mean, for those of you that have been to Fatty's, we're in a 3,000 3, square foot warehouse and there's only so many tanks you can put in there and we're just out of room. And uh, But there is, there is good news on that horizon. We are going to expand into the basically the tattoo parlor our, our place is attached to and uh, move the, some of the, the tap room into there, be able to use, utilize uh, more of a production area in the tap room that, you know, you can see now. So we could, for, the plan is to put two to three more 20 to 30 barrel tanks there and then kind of flip the bar in, but it's still going to limit our capacity. And uh, we're talking to a, a brewery down the street about doing a 200 barrel contract brewing deal with us on lazy hazy but um there's just some things in the works just because i mean it's all about scaling and that's what you got to learn and, and how you do it and our next step is is a, a much bigger brewery and a much bigger brew house and much bigger tanks so that costs millions upon billions of dollars and um 
it's, it's a very you're trying to bridge that gap and uh, the easiest way is to find a partner that can do it and satisfy your demand to be able to keep your current customer base but still scale your business at, at the same time i mean if we can turn this barrelage up from where we are now to where we're, our goal is this year we're going to start making some money and that's very exciting to say because you know all the sweat and tears and and days that we sat in there packaging beer just to make you know rent payments and and things like that are one day going to pay off and um it just takes you can't build a brand in, in a year you can't build a brand in two years you know, it takes years i mean i've been working on this since 2013 and brick and mortar since 2016 and that we're now just at the point where we can really start um, kind of capitalizing on some of our success. So it's been a tremendous undertaking, but it's something I'm going to be very proud of one day um, when we've gotten there. But contract brewing, you're seeing it more and more. Uh, and I called New Belgium up in Asheville to see if they'd make it for me. And uh, they were at capacity, but he referred me to the guy who I can't tell you who it is yet because we haven't inked the deal, but that's going to be able to make it for me in Charleston and uh, we'll be able to keep a little bit better tight grip on the QC and the uh, – the distribution of it but there's I, I get so sick of hearing people say you know can't get lazy hands you sold out you know the restaurant so they can't keep it in stock i mean the distributors try to buy three times what i can actually give them on a weekly basis and it's just frustrating week after week to see that you, you can't fill orders and that's uh that's what i'm really struggling with now is how to, to bridge that gap so it's too good. Brewing. You made it too yeah. good. People love it, right? Good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. But. Definitely, definitely my favorite. It's like not just in Charleston, like that is like my go to beer. It's thank you, man. Ridiculous. You that. Do you guys yeah, ship at all? Like we're not allowed I ship a six pack no. to these guys? Uh, I mean, we could probably do it uh, under the table. I can't take money for it to do it. We could, we could, we could get you some beer for sure. Yeah. I talked yeah, to them a lot of time about it, in, uh, but I can't do anything with it. South Carolina's got very weird laws, and uh, you still can't do online ordering here. I'm, I'm only have a, uh, we only have our distributor license in South Carolina. I mean, I don't have a partner in any other state, but I can't even make enough for South Carolina now. So that's. You know, just getting past that hurdle, but we can we can make an exception to get you guys some beer. Nice. So here in Virginia, you have to. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> here in Virginia, so you guess, have to serve food. Is there any any weird thing like that in South Carolina? There is the uh, the weird thing about South Carolina is you have to have to have uh, wine. Um, you have to be able to serve food. You know, make food as well. So I put a, a microwave and a you know, a popcorn machine in the back to get get away from that. But oh, yeah. something else I'm learning is if you want your tap room to be one of your biggest uh, revenue centers, you got to have food in there to keep people there to keep their tab prices and your ticket prices higher because they're going to have two beers and they go somewhere else they can get some food. So we are working on some permanent food. And um, but the very the thing that I want to keep you know to the forefront is we're not cookie cutter. We're not you know trust funders. We're not we don't have big investors. We've done this thing. I want you to feel like you're drinking Fatty's Fatty's Garage. And that's basically what we've done. So I want to keep the uniqueness of the experience and the culture that we've kind of have. You know, I don't want it to kind of erode into more of a, you know, some of these other people's places like they're doing now, but just kind of keep that cold, uh, 
industrial vibe to it, but you know you're in, you know, you're sitting five feet away from where this beer is being made. You know there's something that's fresher than that around. So that's uh, that's kind of something we're also concentrating on. Sounds like all my favorite breweries I've ever been to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We did uh, did come up with this. Uh, so I'm now calling Lazy Hazy the South's most famous beer. I watched the uh, this, this uh, biography about Coca-Cola, and they were they were talking about the second they said that you know Coke world famous back in like 1908 or something like that. It just took off. So I'm just going to capitalize on that. I don't think I'm going to call Lazy Hazy. Nobody else is using it, so we're just going to say Lazy Hazy South's most famous beer. Love it. Let's see where it goes, right? Nice. Yeah. I think another unique addition to your all's brewery is the addition of um, the vending machine from mm-hmm. Slater Stash that oh, has yeah. the um, hemp THC gummies and cartridges. And I think you guys are the only or the first and maybe the still only the, uh, yeah, we're the only. brewery to have that inside. It's pretty cool. So just pretty awesome. I get a sled agent in there every week. Yeah, and they're like, we don't want to take you to jail today, Patty, but uh, we're just checking to make sure you don't have any pre-rolled joints or flour in here. I'm like, no, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, that guy called me, and I was just, not the greatest idea, but the scariest idea. And I was like, you know what, screw it. He's like, I've done all the research. I looked at his uh, his products, and they were all within the legal statutes of South Carolina. I was like, screw it, let's do it. So, I mean, there have been you know numerous federal law enforcement officers coming in there asking questions about it and everybody said you're good to free to keep operating as normal so it's pretty cool i mean i think it's rated every weekend it's just like empty at the end of the weekend yeah and and he comes in and restocks it all weekend it's funny yeah that's awesome i saw i saw like a post uh, fatty's post on instagram that that was like the new big thing and my wife and i like ran down there that's all same day yeah (laughs) Oh my gosh, when that article posted in the Post and Courier, I got so many, like, you're going to jail, fatty, you dumbass, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was like, I got this. And uh, so we were all good. But it was like tremendously successful the first week after that thing. I mean, I line out the door for people wanting them to do it. But yeah, it's yeah. great, man. It's, it's really cool. And, you know, we do, we got, I've got a, we make sparkling uh, hemp water at Fatty's too. It's called Space Water. It's, We've actually kind of started another company to facilitate all this under to try to get more distribution through it, but it's basically LaCroix with CBD. And um, that's what I'm drinking right here. I put some vodka in it. And it's the best uh, yeah. vodka soda on the planet. So you put the <laughs> or something like that. Is it carbonated? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah man. We have, uh, you, can, you can order a subscription. I can mail you that. Now I have a drinkspracewater.com. You can get a case uh, for 60 bucks or two cases for 90 delivered. So they come in a fancy little okay. box. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like LaCroix with CBD. It's, it's pretty neat. All right. You writing that down? Yeah. Nice. So how do you come up with um, like a new flavor that you guys are wanting to distribute? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's been something that Kyle has been really good at. Uh, Kyle Delaney, our, fantastic new brewer um we really try to keep it towards the season of um you know what we're where we're at where we're in summer we're in spring and we're, we're we've done all we've really kind of focused on, on a lot using fruit and a lot of our sours so we're really trying to keep um 
consistent of that. So like we've got a peach one going right now, a peach sour IPA called Helioscope. Um, Cause this is right when peaches start becoming available. And then we're also doing a pineapple and papaya uh, IPA, um, sour IPA. It'll be kegged here next week. So uh, we really try to keep it to the season, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether, you know, what people are feeling, but, you know, lot, we're always trying to have a lager, a very clean, um, a lager, uh, you know, for mass consumption on, on through the spring and the summer months. Uh, definitely sours. Uh, females especially love to see color in their glass, and uh, anything looks like a smoothie um, is really going to stand out when it's on a on a bar somewhere. So, it's, you know, we're very keen to what and Kyle's very keen to what new beer styles are are being created and being innovated uh, right now as well. I mean, we even did a seltzer. Um, you know, who would have thought that a year, you know, about a few months ago. So it's, it's really just whatever fruits in season, whatever, like the, the season's feeling for, uh, for, for tasteability. And like, you know, when you're, you want to drink citrus and juniper and mint and stuff like that when it's spring. And then as the summer rolls in, you want something a little bit crisper and cooler. So it's, um, we've got, we've got some really good, uh, supplier partners that, um, We'll send us a lot of these test uh, kits with different flavors to really to focus on. When, because when you look at all of our highest rated products, they're all ones with uh, you know either high fruited products or um, you know lazy hazy, obviously things like that. Something things that have a very distinct color and taste. So um, we just move along that way. But you're always going to see clean lagers, uh, fruited sours, and hazy IPAs with kind of new i'd say kyle's really good at that kind of finding new and and innovative hop uh, varieties that we've really kind of uh, honed in on to make us like tried it idaho 7 we've been using a lot there's some real different ones that nobody's we, we try to use stuff people aren't using around town so yeah sours seem like this <clears throat> i mean i guess it's been a few years now but used to live in north carolina and raleigh area and i feel like they just exploded out of nowhere i mean oh. is that yeah, you will be at the beach. I feel like it's probably like the perfect, oh, perfect thing. We can't keep them in stock, and they they just the first things to go all the time. And they are uh, really one of our, our. We want to have two fruited sours on at all times. Uh, they're most ex, they're the most expensive beer to make, but you know people pay pay for it because uh, it just, you can just taste it. I mean that mango. I think we had twelve hundred pounds of mango. We just did a a retroflex, which is a mango and toasted marshmallow. We put 1,200 pounds of, of mango in there. I mean, there's more vitamin C in that thing than it looks like something you get at a breakfast buffet. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's delicious, man. That uh, the fruit just really takes it to another notch. But sours are hot, and especially their their color and uh, girls love them because they're not hoppy and they're just just different and very easy to drink. So we've seen a very big uptick in sours for sure. Yeah, is that something you all were into before you had your brick and mortar not as you... much not as much uh we really kind of made a focus we did a few before kyle um we did a collaboration with a local band called uh doom flamingo and they uh we did a cool kid with them but we used raspberry and uh pomegranate in that one and it was uh it was pink and um that was really kind of the first try that we had with with sour beers and it was extremely successful and that wasn't even using, uh, you know, actual fruit. That was like more amaretti flavoring kind of stuff. And then once we made the jump into 
into you know septic fruit purees. It's just changed the game completely, and that's what this guy now has done. And when you look at a drink, a beer at a bar, and it looks like a smoothie, you're like, this thing looks amazing. So, um, it's that we we really we've really seen some good growth on that, and people love lagers are making a huge comeback, man. I mean, I can't even keep a lager uh, on tap, and the people will not bat an eye at. You know, six bucks a pint on a, on a super clean lager as long as they can drink it all the time. So uh, as long as we can keep sours and lagers and the lazy hazy rolling, we're going to be in good shape. Are lagers hard to make? I feel like I've had, I mean, like you have really good lagers and then you have yeah. some that you go to and you're just like, this is, it's awful. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's way harder to make the lager good than the lazy hazy. I'll say that much. The uh, gotcha. lagers are way more, more complicated. They, uh, they require a lot of attention. Uh, a lot of transferring. Um, there's just a lot of stages in the lagering process. Plus, you can make lazy hazy in two weeks. It takes six and a half weeks to make a lager. So, I mean, you got to look at time and tank and uh, just the, the, the nourishment that you give it. But, man, you get a good lager. There's nothing like it. I'll tell you that much. Like a Hellas lager or something like that. They're my favorite. You guys had a lot of activity going on with the PGA Tour. A lot of stuff happening out front uh, yeah. from your from your store. Do you? How was that? Did you guys? Um, I didn't get a chance to come visit, but I got to see some pictures. Was it, was that it pretty was great, cool? man? That was amazing. Yeah, we uh, we really kind of kicked it up a gear during uh, the Masters. We had a uh, we had that Masters beer come out. Did y'all see that can with the uh, the little logo on it? Oh yeah, it's so yeah. Good. We basically took the Augusta National logo, the Masters logo. And, made it to the state of South Carolina and put the flag in Charleston. And we couldn't even, I mean, there's people lined up to buy that beer. And we, uh, we were in one of those 12 foot TVs, uh, for the master's weekend. And we, we, we had a really good weekend, but, uh, yeah, that was another lager beer, but, um, yeah, we've had, uh, you know, I've, I've been a big, I used to be a big golfer until I started fighting. Now I just don't have time, but, uh, those guys have all kind of, that's a huge market. Those, those guys drink a lot of beer. And um, they've been very supportive of us. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was wonderful. The PGA was great, too. So anytime you can have that kind of focus on Charleston, I mean, it's, it's not hurting anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big golf community down here. And oh, your God. little setup out front. It's like oh, yeah. it's the golf green. Well, so we have great golf. So I don't know if you knew that or not. So you have the putting green. That's not turf. That's real grass of diamond zoysia I drove to up near uh orangeburg to buy his t-box grade so i got a the old uh, superintendent at yaman tall let me have his putting green more so nice. i gotta sit there and use the putting green more so we have this game where instead of everyone's like you should cut a hole in the green i was like no we just painted the grate the rain grate nice. we had a much bigger target now see it's called great golf great and you put into the red part of the grate three points blues two and the whites one so you got a much bigger hole and uh the girl that has a record she had six foot heels on when she was playing so it's pretty oh, much game you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> what's your what's your staff look like how many people you got right now we've got about uh brewing wise it's just myself and uh kyle and the head brewer and then we're bringing on a new assistant here very shortly and then we've got a, a tap room staff of about nine nine people nine different bartenders are all wonderful um they all do something else 
um, you know, during the day, but they're just beer fanatics and they've, uh, you know, I'd say eight of the nine have been with us since the beginning. So they're all wow. very loyal and very, um, you know, very well versed in what, what, how we've come to be and, and what we actually are. So I'm very proud of that, that staff retention. Um, but it's going to be, again, it's going to be as we move into this new building or not new building, but uh, more space, we want to kind of turn that whole outdoor area uh, into a beer garden with shade, table service, um, you know, kind of a, the next echelon of, of kind of a feel when you come there. Because now we'll have a whole block where we kind of had this brewery with this thing attached to it. Now it'll be one seamless building that's connected. And it'll really open us up. I mean, our out front now is big, but when I you know, take over that whole spot, we'll be able to put 300 people out there comfortably in the shade without a problem. So um, we definitely have, you know, big growth plans. I mean, the plant, the Pepsi, there's a giant Pepsi distributor beside me, and it's going to be a 10-story uh, multi-use on bottom and uh, condos on the top, and then down about a quarter of a mile at meeting in Morrison, they're building another 10-story complex. So everybody that's come to Fatty's in the last five years hasn't lived there. You know, everybody around Fatty's is dead. It's just cemeteries. Like right behind Fatty's, cemeteries. And yeah. so we can be, that's the great thing about music. We can be as loud as we want. Yeah. Nobody Who's going to say anything? Nobody says anything. <laughs> it's all, everybody's dead. But in the next two years, we're going to have, you know, 10,000 people that haven't, that live within, you know, 100 yards of our facility that, that's just a whole other, you know, revenue stream that we haven't been able to see. So we're going to be able to hopefully accommodate this, these people a little bit better as, as we grow into this new space. Well, people Sounds can like walk home. A... Oh, oh man, their their location is like prime time for the next few years. Like he was saying, man, all these buildings that are going up, like they're smack dab yeah. in the middle of it. It Sounds is. like you're going to need a new uh, production facility. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's the thing. I just signed a, I'll say I signed a three year lease. I was hesitant to sign a bigger one than that because we're just, you know, we we can't. We're going to be maxed out again. So it's just, like I said, it's all about scaling, and that's what I'm focused on now. And one of the partners that I originally uh, started was he's still one of my partners, Greer Allen, the Boontown guy. He. Uh, yeah, he, he, I've been look, look, leaning on him for a lot of mentorship because, you know, running a company, you get and you're there every day. You get buried in the weeds so fast, so quickly that you even lose sight of what you like intended to do for the whole day. So um, having somebody kind of direct me from from a from the weeds to more of a high level focus of well, I have like three objectives with, uh, you know, an action items that need to happen. These three, these three things have to happen above anything else that I'm worried about. I, I feel a lot more mentally like structured and, uh, and not as overwhelmed as I did in the past where, you know, when I came to work, when I first started doing this, I got, I was like, I got to get more toilet paper and trash bags. And, uh, uh, we're out of bleach, you know, now I, you know, that's in the back of my mind now. Now it's like, how do I get more production capacity? Um, you know, how do we increase the ticket size of, of our, of our patrons. It's like things that are very more important for the, the overall functionality and the profitability of the business rather than just something to you know, pacify the needs of the day. So um, having that kind of, I've learned from that, you know, having that learning experience and having somebody kind of direct your, your attention and your focus in the right 
direction and you know because now we've got a huge i'm trying to do 1700 cases a month of lazy hazy by the end of this year and we're at like 500 right now but um we've got these new partners coming along and we could easily get there so i mean having attainable reachable goals and uh and, and revenue numbers you want to hit and having somebody kind of help you navigate how to get there has been has been exciting and, and it's really helped me a lot was it more of just uh like you know he a mental shift to get you out of the dirt and into the clouds or yeah. was it was there processes set up to help you or do you hire people to like how did that no, it was a process. It was uh, no, it was just one guy, and um, he's he's done this uh, for this other company for Boomtown as well. And he's uh, he's he's been you know he's a CFO. He's been doing it for for thirty something years, and he's seen mergers. He knows M and A guys, mergers and acquisitions, so he knows uh, all about businesses and what you need to focus on to prepare your your business to be profitable and to be successful. So he really kind of had. There's really more of me just filling my mouth and um, and just telling him what was going on and giving him numbers and having him kind of peel back the onion a little bit more of, oh, this guy has a production, you know, bottleneck. This guy, do we had more product? We can sell a lot more. How do we get him more product? How do we get him to focus on this? How do we get the tap room? You know, there's just, it was more of a, you know, we talk every, we talk every week for a couple hours and it's just, uh, we track our tasks where we are we got 10 things we're working on uh where are we at on these so he was i'm very unorganized and he is very organized so that really helps as well especially because you're i mean it, it's just me out there you know like all these other my i've got a few other partners but they all have jobs they don't have time so you've got to make all these decisions and you're an island it's like it's so nice to have somebody to vet something through to make sure this isn't a stupid idea before you go out and waste a bunch of money and do it rather than just doing it and then having to backtrack back over it. So um, huge. It's huge, man. You know, and like I said, everything's a learning experience. It's like today I went in and uh, I had a, the, you can't, you wouldn't believe it, you can't even find a sanitary welder at the South. So we have some older tanks that I got from uh, the old South End brewery. The one that Lagunitas went into and they pulled out. Well, uh, this guy, we had a, a leak in the glycol jacket. And it took him two and a half weeks to get in there and fix this leak. And well, that means two and a half weeks without more lazy hazy, right? So he fixes the leak. He's like, fat, he got to fix. And then an hour later, he's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. And the other tank beside him springs the leak. I mean, what are the odds of that, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just like. But these are tanks I got a hell of a deal on a long time ago that I haven't, you know, upgraded to this new uh, to, to new tanks which I need to do. I've got one new 20 barrel tank, but it's just these things are just pressure vessels and they have stresses. And just like anything else, they've got pressure points and failure things. And it's just it's just and then the forklift started leaking hydraulics. But, you know, you never know what you're going to walk into every day. It's like. Everything is so damn expensive in there. That's the only problem. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's very, it's, it's something I'm very proud of to go into that place and have ever somebody tell me, you know, this place is awesome or we love lazy hazy or they just like it the way it is. You know, that's, that's really what I like about it. So. Does that, does that play into mind when you talk, start talking about scaling, um, getting too big or are you talking more scaling like distribution? 
I'm talking both. I mean, right now we have 12 taps at Fatty's, and we have five beers on tap because we used to have 12, but then people, COVID opened up and, whoosh, you know, everybody came in. And now we can't even keep up to make enough beer to to uh, to satisfy the tap room. And then the, the same thing's happening in distribution where they're just, you know, asking for more and more. I think if I'm not as much as scaling to like a, a Budweiser level, but I'm scaling to a point where we can all make comfortable income and have financial security um, for all of our families. And I mean, it's not going to take us getting to, to those kind of levels, but it is going to require us to get to past where we are right now and to these some of these goals that I want to achieve this year. So, um, you know, getting to 10,000 barrels in, in, in the beer business is, is, is a big number and that's, we're, we're trying to get there. So I can tell you're hungry, man. You're going to do it. I love it. Hell yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I promise you that. So do you have, uh, you mentioned keeping people in the tap room comes down to maybe having food and stuff like that around. Do you have any intentions of having a kitchen and, and yeah. doing a full on thing? Nice. That's what we're, we're, I've got the, the welder that was there actually is either we're going to build a kitchen in the, the tattoo shop or buy a food truck, like a container and outfit it as like a food truck and put it on the side. Because now the DHEC kitchen I have, while it can function as a kitchen, you can barely turn around in it and you can't put a hood or anything like, you know, grease traps and all that crap. They're so highly engineered now. Like to run a hood from where I was now, it'd be like $20,000. I'd rather buy another beer tank than buy a $20,000 hood for food. So um, that'll give us, the, the extra space will give us a place where we can make that kitchen happen for a much more feasible cost. But you know, you need, we need uh, French fries, chicken wings, nachos, and maybe some burgers. And then, I mean, that's really all you need. You need four or five things. And yeah. probably I would I would probably get a food truck guy to come in and, and run the food. Because that's a whole other business in itself. And just pay, get him to pay me rent or something like that. But it would definitely keep people there for more than, you know, two beers. Maybe they'd spend, you know, have five beers there or something like that. But uh, uh, we want to do it right. And we don't want to be at, you know, because Charleston's very foodie. And if you come out with, with your restaurant and it doesn't work, nobody's going to come back. So I was very cautious about how to approach the food thing. And it's just, you know, I, I have my hands wrapped up running this beer thing. Food's a whole other animal in itself. So the plan is to sub probably sub out the food for a little while, but we are building that into the plan. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I wouldn't want more than just a couple options. I don't think it needs, would need to be, you know, 20 things on a menu. Right. Personally. Yeah. Finger food, man. Nobody wants to, you know, it's just easy thing. Yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. Maybe have a vegetarian option or something like that. Yeah. Just keep people there. And, uh, you know, something else that we struggle with in the summer is, you know, that's not air conditioned. So you mm. got a big ass fan, but it's 100 degrees outside. It's still pretty <laughs> hot inside, you know. So having the, the ability to condition some space. So, when it is that hot, we can move people to a more comfortable environment. I think will also help with ticket, you know, average ticket size and things like that. So I think I've learned it. enough in these first few years to know how to kind of approach it from, from this point moving forward. You got any of the, that old uh, ice making uh, stuff around? You would think it's pretty <laughs> insulated. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. That thing, I wish we still did. We, uh, when I walked in there the first day to 
to look at it. You couldn't even walk in the building because the coolers, the, they were taking up the entire inside of the building. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still have the greatest sign, Dr. Ice. And it's got like, it's got the, you know, the old igloo looking ice thing. Yeah. Uh, or the, not the igloo, well, the icy. Icy. It's like that, that icy uh, logo. And um, no, it's, uh, they had lots of water. Uh, they had a huge water line and they had tons of power. So for a brewery, that works out pretty well, right? And um, no, man, they, it was, it, it's great. I, I love fatties. And I, I, I think that what we build is pretty special and, and I can't wait to see it grow. So. Same. Same here. You heard it here first. Deaf dialogue. <laughs> That's right, baby. And you know, one of the biggest um, things too was uh, COVID. We had to kind of reinvent ourselves. I mean, hell, during, before COVID, our flagship beer was probably a toss between Lazy Asian and First Shot. And then something happened during COVID where we completely just changed everything from, we didn't keg anything. We just started canning everything. And we had so much Lazy Hazy available. The distributor's like, wow, we have inventory now. And then more stores started picking it up and more stores. And then we started getting the grocery store stuff, Ferris Teeter, Public, Whole Foods. And then all these people were buying it. So like it happened like within a few months that we had this massive demand for this whole, uh, basically not a new beer, but kind of a beer that hadn't been as sought after as it is now. And, and, and then we just changed all of our packaging from 12 ounce cans to 16 ounce cans mm-hmm. and uh, kind of rebranded. Um, some of our, our artwork, you know, I love our original stuff. We kept all of our, our original pieces in place and just kind of repurposed them in different ways uh, around our new graphics. But, um, you know, people have been very complimentary of our new 16-ounce cans and the artwork and uh, kind of the new direction we're coming in. I mean, when I was brainstorming fatties, my mission statement was, you know, we tell the story of our favorite beverage through the history of the greatest time travel rematch the world's ever known. And people are like, what the hell does that mean? And so I've come to like refine it. Well, maybe we don't need to talk about time travel and rematch before. It's not like, you know, we're a commercial, we're a production brewery in tap room with beer meant to be enjoyed in a unique, comfortable environment or something like that. So it's like, you know, I think these ideas are great, but maybe nobody else does. So it's always, you know, you learn from what, what, what people want to see and what works and what, what, what sells. But always stay true to tell you. who you were yeah. at the beginning, you know? How'd you find you the artist? So I buddy of mine that I started making um, some merch on his own called North Inlet. And I was like, that's a cool logo. And he had just found this guy, Jay Fletcher. And um, he gave me his number and I called him and he was very affordable at the time. And, um, and then... You know, I was like, build me a time traveling brewmaster that looks like Napoleon and make and make the brand look like a sword. And I was like, and then he just nailed it, you know? And um, and I'm still just so passionate about all those characters that he's built. But if there's somehow been the consumer is somehow been a block with the consumer on I'd say like seventy percent of the people where the thirty and thirty percent that get it like, hell yeah. Yeah. Then the other seven, you're like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. You know, so it's like, um, we're 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 actually doing this cool series of in October where we're gonna do all four of our old school cans. Um, again, Musket Mule, Photon, First Shot, and uh, Frontiersman, and we're all gonna release them at the same time. 
And um, I'm very, I'm very partial to that artwork, but clearly the consumer has seen that this new direction we've been taking as well as distributor is, is more um, marketable for their customers. So we're sticking with it. You see that? Oh yeah. yeah. Nice. I mean, that's just sick, right? Yeah. That's the Daniel Boone fatty. Look at that. I mean, that, that was going to be my weed beer. So I had yeah. uh, we had a, a deal where we were doing a CBD beer and um, this was a long, this was before we even did the CBD water and the freaking feds came in and saw, they saw a post of mine on, on Facebook or something. And the TTB agent came in referenced it and said, you know, what you're doing is illegal. We had sold piles of this stuff. And um, they're like, everything has to give two weeks to take everything out of stock. But we're taking your, your, your federal brewing license. I was like, Jesus. So, so this would be the best can for, look, you see, India Pale Ale brewed with industrial hemp. I mean, people went nuts over this stuff. And then um, there's first shot. Yes. Man, it's so good. And then that's Musket Mule. These are all 12 ounces, but and then funny time. I mean, how cool will these four cans be re-released, right? Those are Three awesome. Yeah, be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so now we've moved to like you know, this new stuff, which is more like lazy hazy. But it's a great can, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the bomb right there. <laughs> so, anyway. Now that hemp beer, that's something you can bring back, right? As soon as I get it, uh, they made me get it. They, I had to get a TTV approval, formula approval, and I couldn't. They wouldn't approve it because um, little did I know at the time, the, the hemp that I had bought was 21% THC, <laughs> and I was I was like, man, they won't approve. They're like, it can only be 0.3. Oh. I, don't know what that shit. So <laughs> I wonder why people loved it. Right. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm still in the last little bit of it. So um, <laughs> now as I buy the. Uh, Transition to more of a, a uh, you got to have all these certificates of analysis and all this stuff now. So that was like when the Wild West of you know, CBD and THC was going on, but now it's all it's all coming to the forefront. And I think you'll see. I mean, they're already doing weed beers in Colorado. It's always been my dream to do one of those, but we're just not there yet, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina needs to hurry up. Right? Tired of waiting. There's a tired of waiting. Isn't um. Whatever the hell it is down in Georgia doing a weed beer. I feel like I've had it. No, oh, Sweetwater. Yeah, Sweetwater. Yeah, they do the, they, they, they just put a nose of, it's just got a dry hop like that. So it smells like weed. It I does smell like it. weed. And it, yeah. it's a good beer. It's it is. A really good it's beer. a G7 or uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had a dry hopped cider before that just smelled like. Yeah. Had like that aroma. The whole room smells like it. Yeah. Like when you open your beer, right? It's all, yeah. Anyway. It's always been my dream to make a beer and a bong hit in the same beer, but never been able to figure that out yet. So, oh, practice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Keep working on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, that you lose sight when you run a business. I mean, you forget how many different things go into running a business and how many different layers there are and it becomes hard when you're running everything to you know it's not hard but it's easy to lose sight of the things that are important when you can start focusing on stuff that's not important so it's like i mean staying true to your roots and the quality of your beer is, is so important i mean i love to be to where you have enough you know cash flow to start 
uh, adequately hiring people to run some of these aspects of the company so we can, you know, I can kind of get back to those things. But um, just being in a startup mode and, and um, in a growth mode, I guess is what we are now, but we're just we're right before that whole transition can start where you can have a team built that can really help you get to where you want to be. And we're almost to that point. And uh, it just becomes overwhelming sometimes when you think of the amount of shit you got to do every day. And there's so many different things, but um, yeah. I mean, imagine having that, that person that's dedicated just to social doing that all day for you. Like huh. I'm in marketing, I'm a designer. So like I'm yeah, working right? all of it all the time and like, yeah, that would, it wear you it would out. just it wear you out. But like having that ability to have people dedicated to all those things that you're probably having to think about a little bit still is like, oh yeah, it would open up so much for you. Your golf game would improve. Ah, <laughs> scratch handicap. Scratch yeah. <laughs> you think you'll be able to pull back? You'll. I don't know. There's probably like some sort of energy right now when you're in startup and growth mode. Will you be able to let go? I think so. You know, yeah. it's just funny because I still. I hate, I don't hate being there. I, I just, I'm always there, but it's like, <laughs> when I'm not there. I want to be there, you know? So it's like this yeah. magnetic energy that just pulls me back and won't let me leave. So while I, you know, probably like when we move into more of a growth mode, become more of a brand ambassador and I'm out, you know, building distributor relationships or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing I could maybe focus more on on the on the golf game and all that but then i would miss you know the everything that there's always the something in the top three the action yes the action man it's just something about it that i just can't leave so always brings me back i'm so, curious i think that but it's true i mean you see like i've seen a couple breweries open up and the owner is like a you know they're a doctor a, a lawyer and they don't have their pulse on what's going on in there you know they're not in there every day they're they've got somebody to run it and um, unless you're in there, knowing what people are saying, knowing who's coming in there, um, you're gonna, you're not gonna be, you, you might be successful, but you're not gonna be the successful level you want to be. So, I think just, just, just being present and just observing and um, and just talking to people is a very powerful tool uh, for how the consumer and, and how the everybody's viewing your brand and and how you can improve it. Nice. How's the, um, how's the family? I work a lot. So like, how, how are you guys adjusting to that? What's, what's the guidelines? You can, uh, I'm sure you can relate. I mean, it's, it's, the beginning is an extreme challenge. I mean, um, days upon days of, of work and not being home, but I think we've come to a nice balance. Um, my wife has been unbelievable through this whole thing, her patience and, uh, uh, just her, her willingness to, to let me do this. I can't, you know, words can't speak to what that is and what that does for me. But uh, uh, I think we're in a place of peace now where she didn't really think we, I was going to do this. And when I did it, she was scared as hell. And now it's to the point where her friends are talking about it, seeing Fatty's doing this and that, and they think it's cool. And now it's, it's like she has respect for it now that I think it was not there. So it was extremely challenging, the family aspect and the uh, and the front front part of it. Luckily, my kids were, you know, I got a ten year old and a twelve year old, but uh, you know, I was all I had so much time on my hands when they were in those little infant stages where they just sit in the little crib and I'm out there, you know, 
cranking out a bunch of ideas and doing stuff like that. So they've seen it all kind of come to, to where it is now. So they're used to it. And now it's just like when I go to work, I go to the brewery instead of going to, you know, sell welding equipment or whatever right. I was doing. So um, it's definitely, uh, we've got a nice little routine down here uh, where they know Monday night's my night at the brewery to play music and treat like my Saturday night. And then usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm here. And then Friday and Saturday, I've got to attend to the, to the brewery. So. There's a good balance of both. Obviously, I, I ask myself that question every night. Like, am I a good enough father for these kids? Do I spend enough time with them? You know, am I teach them the right things? But, you know, I, if I'd have waited any longer, I wouldn't have this energy that I do now. I mean, if I'd have waited 10 years, it'd been too late, you know? And it's like, we had to do it when the time was right to do it, when I had the enthusiasm, when I had the passion, I had the people, and it just made sense. And so I was just like, I'm just going for it. And, uh, I don't regret it one bit. So love it. Yeah. Kyle, you were saying. <laughs> I would, this is chain like going back to talking about more beer, but um, you mentioned like being out in Big Sky and different things like that. Obviously, I want to keep the focus on you, but I'm just curious. Throughout those years when you were with your friend brewing and stuff, like what are the some of those other smaller craft breweries that like inspired you to? to finally jump in and do all of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I had Stone IPA for the first time, I was like, oh my God, this beer is amazing. You know, it was, uh, oh God, back then, I, I, I loved, uh, you know, these are weird, like Full Sail. That was a brewery that was very small that I was very big on back then. Deschutes, another one that was very small that's very big now. Um, but, you know, there was a big, uh, there was a couple in, and, and Bozeman, um, what was their name? You know, Big Sky Brewing out of Missoula was one of my favorites. Um, but it was all back to more of like the, uh, just the vibe that I got from the, the label. I mean, obviously the beers were good, but it was so hard to navigate that world, you know, not pre-internet, but uh, before we had all the blogs and uh, all the, the access to the stuff that we do today, like with our phones. And, um, you know, I, I, I love seeing uh, Hop Slam. I mean, it used to be one of my Bell's Two-Hearted. Uh, Bell's makes fantastic beer. Um, I, you know, I don't know. And then, obviously, when it came into to Sour IPAs and the guy that we're, we're with Kyle now, I mean, Hudson Valley up in upstate New York, they make unbelievable beer. And then there's great people. In, I mean, Edmonds is making great beer. There's a lot of people locally that do great things and uh you know it's just it's just the drive to always taste that next great thing i think that kind of inspires you to to keep looking and 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 creating and uh it's like when new england ipas came out i mean that was those are three four years old you know it's like there's always this new craze we're already always trying to stay on the front of it but um you know I, i'd say that the best ipa that i've ever had I was done, and that really, really kind of transformed things. Yeah, I almost brought them up a few minutes ago when you were talking about the barrel sizes and all that. Because when they moved mm -hmm. into Richmond, they had to float a barrel down the river to get it into the. Yeah, it's just blew my mind. Like uh, mind blown. Yeah, I um, being here and I'm in Charlottesville and Boulder Rock here in town, which was the biggest independent cidery for a while, and now they finally got. They're, I think, with Victory and another couple other breweries, but they went from this little barn 
and happened to be there when they were building the, their facility now. And they have this barrel that's like, I don't know, two and a half stories tall, just massive. So completely get like going from that small thing to like right. making it and you have that giant, like, yeah, it's incredible seeing this stuff. Oh my gosh. I remember I was getting, uh, when I bought the new tanks from South End, I was trying to find somebody to transport them from there to here. And I talked to the guy that did Sierra Nevada's brewery in uh, Asheville. And he said that they, they all the equipment's from Germany and it all came to the port here. And just to get the equipment from Charleston to Asheville was over $3 million. Just to truck it up there. You know, like that's just, you that can't place put your is, mind around that. Like, yeah, that place is like, like Disneyland for adults. It's, it it's is. ridiculous. Like, the amount of money. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, with $3 million, I could build an amazing brewery. But um, it's really, it's interesting to, it's appreciative though that you've got, that's one thing that I'm proud of is how lean we built this thing and how easy it is to get way over your head in capital and, uh, and debt and not be able to recruit that on a monthly basis. Um, because, you know, you, just, you think you're bigger than you are or you need this, or you need that. Um, you know, I don't lose any sleep at night knowing where, where we're at and that we can make our payment to, uh, to continue. Now, making that millions of dollars next step, I'd definitely lose some sleep over, but we're not quite there yet. So, um, yeah. it's what makes it fun, man, you know? Yeah. Are you all across South Carolina right now with distribution? Yeah. Basically, we're all the way from like Seneca, which is like the northwestern point of South Carolina, down to Hilton Head. Yeah. And, and um, do you foresee going into North Carolina, Georgia anytime soon? Yeah, we're working. Uh, our current distributor advantage is in North Carolina, but just our, our like you, I've been saying, our situation yeah. is we can't even make enough beer. So, what does it make any sense yeah. to go anywhere else? We can't even facilitate the demand in our own state. So, I mean, it depends on all this, how all this plays out with, uh, with our growth here and how we, 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 we achieve this growth, this plan of hit, making more lazy hazy. That's obviously what people are going to want first. Nice. Well, do you guys have any other questions lined up? No, I can't wait to come. Uh, I, know, I just, uh, I'm like, you got a lot of energy, man. I got a, <laughs> I got a feeling you're going to do good things. I, I just, funny. I don't know. I like being around you. Uh, we have Super Jam, Open Jam every Monday night. I'm there every Monday. So if you're ever in town on a Monday right. or you want to come hang out on a Monday, I'll be there. And any, any, um, it's like an open mic. Yeah. Open Jam. You show up, bring your act bring or whatever guitar. you want to play and play, man. We'll, we'll yeah. plug you in the PA and get you going. All right. Kyle, that sounds fun. Kyle, do you want to give him like a little um, like preview of your singing voice? Yeah, sing me something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I sing one song. One, I'm not singing it right now, but the <laughs> one song I sing is to my daughter when I'm putting her to sleep. And you know what song it is? It's the. Hold on, let me guess. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm a pretty good guesser. If you He's didn't not, know that, not at all. I would have to guess the song that you rock her to sleep every night to. Probably. It's from a TV if, show. One hint. There you go. From a TV show. Oh man. I wish I didn't have the hint. It makes it's it... Friends theme song. <laughs> yeah, Could you imagine? <laughs> I'll be there for you. Yeah, is it is it that Kyle? No. It should be. It no. should be. 
I don't know. It? I we're dying. We're dying with suspense. What is? Yeah, this it's not that funny. But uh, Soft Kitty from Big Bang Theory. You all oh, watch yeah. that show? Yeah. Oh yeah. You sing that too? Yeah, because it's only two verses. I can remember it nice and simple and smooth. <laughs> and I've been doing it since she was an infant, and now it puts her to sleep. So it's like, works. Whatever. Hey, I love you got to get her a book. It's called Good Night Brew. Have you ever you've read Good Night Moon? Obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. a parody on that. It's called Good Night Brew. It's awesome. You got to get it for her. Nice. Read her to bed. Yeah. She'll love it. That's fine. Right. I have to check that out. Well, it has been uh, our pleasure for sure speaking with okay. you we were Thank definitely looking forward much. to this episode so Appreciate i will uh, i have to like... sneak down to fatty's uh whenever i can walk again <laughs> or at least not have to rest so hey yeah uh, come see us on a monday or another day tuesdays now we got that thing starting up too so yeah it'll be busy this summer yeah man okay. we'll be there thanks guys Wes, yeah. kyle it's good to see your faces See you guys next week. Take it easy, man. Take care.